This evening we read the Word of God in 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. Our text is the first four verses. For the sake of time, I'll not read those again. The first four verses are our text. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect establish, strengthen, settle you. To whom be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose, I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. The church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus my son. Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. As mentioned, we consider the first four stanzas of this fifth chapter. This word of God that we consider is addressed to the elders which are among you, those that hold what we know as the office of elder in the congregation. And worth considering that we can, by the grace of God this evening, address the same word to men who hold that same office in the Church of Jesus Christ as did the Apostle some 2,000 years ago. This is not the only word that's addressed to elders, nor is it the only word that's used for the office of elder. There is another one that is used, bishop, that 
sets forth one of the works of the elder that's brought out here when it talks about oversight. That word is the word bishop. It doesn't apply to some special office, but the same office as elder, and it emphasizes their work of oversight or overseer, to watch over and care for something. And the word elder that's used here, literally the word presbyter, presbyter, that's where we get the word Presbyterian, simply a form of the word elder, it teaches that often these men are among the older members of the congregation and are that because the work that they do requires experience and knowledge that comes with age. And it also emphasizes that the position they hold is an honorable one, even as one honors their earthly and physical elders. Although this is a word of God that is specifically addressed to elders, neither is it a word of God that's exclusively for them in that office. For one, it's an exhortation that includes my particular office, the office of pastor. For as we read in the form just moments ago, they really hold the same office. The only distinction being is in the work that they do. The minister also is an elder in that he is included among them as the overseers of the church, but his particular work is actually to labor in the word and doctrine. In other words, even according to the text, the elders will be carrying out some of their work through the minister of the gospel. So this word is addressed to him also. But don't overlook either that the apostle addresses this word to elders in a letter to a congregation and then refers to that congregation twice. When speaking to the elders, he talks about them as being elders among you, the elders among you. That makes clear that this is actually a word that he's addressing to the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. This word that is specifically addressed to elders is addressed to the church itself because they need to hear this word. They need to know what the elders' particular office and work is. That's, of course, for a number of reasons, but among them, it is the church that chooses or elects the elders, and they need to know their work, so they choose and elect qualified men for that office. This is a significant admonition, an important one that should be clear, and that this is the final, really, the final word of the apostle uh, to the church. It's included in that, but it's also his final, really his only word in this epistle addressed to the elders. The rest is, for the most part, all about the church itself. But here at the end, he addresses the elders. And then when you look at that word more carefully, he, in that word, invokes our Lord Jesus Christ, the sufferings of Christ, and also the church itself as the church of Christ and his heritage. Not only that, but when one looks at the word even closer, 
it is clear that when the apostle speaks this word, he's giving to them really their one main calling. If you would ask yourself, what is the one main calling of the elder? You might be inclined, because of the name given to the office, to say, well, it's that of oversight. And there would be much support for thinking that also. But the fact is, their one calling is to feed the flock, to feed the flock. That's the one calling of the elder, and even the calling of oversight is subservient to that one main calling. The elders oversee and take care of the flock in order that they might feed. Consider with me then this evening this word of God, the one calling of elders. We look first of all at that work, and finally how that work is conducted, the manner it's conducted, and finally the reward, the reward of that work. As I said, the one calling that's laid out in this text, and it's really laid out as the one calling, the one calling of the elder, the one calling about which if he fails to carry it out, even though he might do everything else properly, we would say he failed in his office, is that he feed the flock of God. That is, he feed the church or the congregation that has appointed him to that office and in which he lives and over which he is an overseer. That's the object, really, of this calling. You cannot talk about their work unless you first of all consider who it is he's called to feed, and it's the flock of God. It is the local congregation. That's the main focus of their calling. That should be evident that the apostle here is writing an epistle to churches, churches, individual congregations scattered throughout Asia Minor, and each of them would have had their own particular elders, and those particular elders he is addressing. And then he refers to the flock, not simply as the flock of God, which might be taken very broadly, but the flock of God which is among you, that is, feed those among whom you live, those where you have your home and family, those among which you live and labor, those who have called you and chosen you to office. That means that the calling of the elders, the calling of the elders we have installed into office this evening is not to feed everyone in the whole wide world or even feed everyone in the church but to feed those over which they have the oversight, those among you, the local church. To understand this calling, to understand what the apostle means by this work, to feed the flock of God which is among you, it's very important to look at that flock according to that biblical picture being described as a flock. He doesn't say feed the people of God, doesn't say feed the members of the church, all of which would be true, but feed the flock. That is, it sets forth that local congregation as a flock of sheep. And that helps us understand this work. 
because there are two particular things about sheep that show the necessity and importance of this work that really set forth why it is this is the one work of the elders and also shows that any other work they might do is related to that one main work. If you would look at a flock of sheep and say what is the one thing that they need more than anything else, one could point at a number of things, but the important thing is that they're fed. If they're not fed, then they are dead. And even when one protects them from all sorts of enemies or has to go get them as strays, then one does that in order that, again, they might be fed. So to understand the work of the elders, one can simply look at sheep and you notice a couple of things about sheep. They're domesticated animals that absolutely must have the assistance of their farmer or they will die. If the farmer does not shepherd them, if he does not feed them, if he does not care for them, if he does not even take off their wool every year, they die. Number one, because, well, they have lots of enemies. They have lots of enemies because of really what they are. They're food. They themselves are food for many creatures. And these are creatures that are not built with any natural defenses. They're not given claws. They're not given fangs. They're not even given the ability to run very fast. They have wolves and bears and lions like David found out who love to eat the sheep. Not only that, but then there is, as we might say, the personality of the sheep. Sheep are herding animals. They follow one another around. They go where others go. And then they also have a propensity simply for no apparent reason to go wander off on their own. Sometimes they will not feed when there is food to be had. They're known to be silly and stupid. They're known not to seek shelter in time of storm. And so they have lots of enemies they have no natural defenses, and they're not really even able to make the right decisions on their own. They make many foolish decisions, place themselves in danger. So they need a shepherd, and everyone knows that. And therefore, the calling of the elders really is to shepherd. Important that this Word of God comes to the flock itself. Importantly, the flock itself must know itself as a flock. Part of this Word of God to us and why it's addressed to the church is in order for there be elders and sheep and in order for the sheep to be cared for by the elders and the elders to care for the sheep and for the sheep not to run away from the elders it's very important for the sheep to know that they're sheep. Part of our foolishness as sheep is we don't think we are. We think we're well equipped on our own to handle our own 
way to make our own decisions. We really don't need the advice and oversight of others. We think we have plenty of fangs and claws and know how to use them and our mind and will are perfectly in tune of dangers and we know what to do, but that's not so. The very fact that we have elders, the very fact that God has always appointed them in the church, and the very fact that when He does, He always refers to the people as sheep, ought to tell us a lot about ourselves. The amazing thing, the amazing thing really, is that from those sheep, God then appoints elders. These are, after all, elders who are among you. That means God appoints sheep to watch over the sheep. We call them shepherds, but they are sheep. And that, too, is necessary for us to remember. Even our form really alludes to that when it points out that God in His wisdom didn't give the oversight of the flock to just one or a few. Because when that happens, bad things happen. And so, it's a work appointed to many. And that is partially done to mitigate the very fact that the elders themselves are sinners and in themselves foolish and make all sorts of mistakes. Having said that, What's interesting is when one looks at that word feed, that's not the actual word that's used in the original. It literally is the word shepherd. It's really the very same word as sheep. Shepherd, the sheep. Now, of course, rightly, our King James Version translates it as feed. They understand the idea. They understand the central idea, the purpose of shepherding, the work of shepherding, all the labor of shepherding, all of it really is about feeding the flock. And that's why when you go elsewhere in Scripture, if you remember the Lord's commandment to Peter about his relationship to the flock of our Lord Jesus Christ as an apostle, which he references here, says not only he's an elder, but he's a witness of the sufferings of Christ. That's his way of saying, I'm an apostle. Jesus' words to him were, Peter, feed my sheep. Many, many places in Scripture that echo that very same word. Elsewhere, the Scriptures refer to this work as edifying or building up the flock. That is, bringing them to maturity, bringing them to a place where they ought to be by giving good nutrition and by protecting them from anything that would harm them and keep them from eating and growing and being established as sheep. It's what the, late, the apostle himself later calls being made perfect, being established, being strengthened, and being settled. Then verse 10. What the elders shepherd with, and that is, what they feed with, and that shows you how those words are really interchangeably, you shepherd with and you feed with the exact same thing. 
It's not like the elders would shepherd with one thing, and then when it comes to feeding, they feed something else. What they feed with and what they shepherd with is the Word of God. And that, the Scriptures make abundantly plain in so many places. That was what the Lord was telling Peter to do. Feed my sheep. Feed them the Word. Feed them my Word. And even if the Scriptures weren't so explicit in so many places about how the fact that we live and feed off the Word of God that is our food. All we need to remember is what it is that we actually feed on in the sacrament. Just recently we had the sacrament. What did we eat? And drink. It was Christ Himself who is Christ. He is the Word of God. So you can see the Word is fitting. The Word is the right food for the sheep of our Lord Jesus Christ and worth us emphasizing and remembering. We need to do that because as elders we're so tempted to bring another word. We would like to bring the word, perhaps, that we imagine would be better received. Perhaps the elders understand that this particular word that they have to say is not going to be received well. It's going to be resisted. It might sting or hurt a little bit. Perhaps we would have in our mind that what the congregation needs to be built up and strengthened with is that which so many other churches think the church needs to be strengthened and built up with, which in the end often is nothing more than everything else that the world thinks its people needs to grow up and mature. They need a certain liberty and freedom. They need to be accepted as they are. They need social justice. They need entertainment. They need philosophies and ideas. No, they don't. That's killing the world, and what the church needs and the flock needs is one thing and one thing only, the Word. Everything God does, He does by the Word and the Word only. If you doubt that, simply look at Jesus Christ, who is the Word. Is there any aspect of our salvation, is there any part of our salvation that God does not do by His Word? There is nothing. We read in Scripture that God has chosen us by His Word. God has regenerated us by His Word. God feeds us by His Word. He strengthens us by His Word. He sanctifies us by His Word. He justifies us by His Word. So why? Why then would God feed His sheep anything different? Or why, when He calls men to be oversight, overseers of his flock, would he give them a job that's any different? This is why the Word is central in the worship services, and not just in the preaching, but the Word is our call to worship. The Word of God is that which we sing. The Word of God called the law is that which we recite. 
When we pray, we pray the Word of God. Everything we do in the worship service is from the Word of God. And why would it be any different since this is the church of our Lord Jesus Christ that's bought with His blood, redeemed by Him, that He, well, He is, according to the text, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, even the elders who are called to shepherd, shepherd under Him. Why would they bring anything different than His Word? And it's worth pointing out, too, that this is the entire Word. It is not the calling of the elders to carry out their work by telling their minister to carve up the Word of God and bring only certain parts of it. Bring only this part or that part, or even say, don't bring this part or that part. That's done, too. There are churches that don't want the Word of God to be preached, and churches that only want a certain part of the Word of God preached. It doesn't matter whether it's the so-called Arminian part, preach those texts, but also don't preach other texts. Don't warn, don't exhort, don't do those things, because after all, they're not the gospel. That's not the word to elders. That's not the word to the minister. The word is the food. We don't just feed off the fingers and the ears of our Lord Jesus Christ, but all of His body and all of His blood and all of His words. Who's going to pick and choose? Who has the right to go through what Jesus has said and spoken and say, no, this is true and this is not? That's done. That's done. Now, this isn't the only work of elders. It is the one great work, but it's the one great work because the other work is subservient to it. We read of that. Taking oversight thereof, that includes the many duties that were listed in the form. I'm not going to repeat them. Duties as pertaining our walk of life, our conversation. There's even in there duties with regard to the minister. If you ask why that is, the answer is because that's one of the chief ways the elders carry out their calling to feed the flock. If you ask how is it mainly that they do that, the answer is through the pastor. That's important because it makes clear the pastor is subservient to the office of elder. They are his rulers. They are his overseers. He's not the ruler. He's not the overseer. It's an amazing, amazing thing, actually. That relationship. And then the reminder, even in the form of the calling of the elders to take the oversight of the minister in all of his work and labor. Why? Why? Now, again, there may be a lot of reasons why elders might cite for doing that or even failing to do it. There might even be a fear to do it. How in the world can we challenge the minister? After all, he's got four whole years in the seminary. He does this for a living. No, no, I mean, do that. It's done so that the flock is fed. 
It's the elders who are responsible for that, not the minister. If the minister isn't doing his job, he needs to be deposed, getting rid of. His job is to flee the flock on behalf of the elders. And then they take the oversight of his life with that end and goal in mind. But that's also the same with regard to the flock. If elders lose that focus, then they will be failing in their work. Elders can look at the flock a lot of different ways and look at what's going on and get involved in cases of discipline and misbehavior or overlook certain things. And oftentimes you might find that what's governing it is all sorts of other considerations, but not that we have to do what we need to do or we're not going to do this because it's not about feeding the flock or it is about feeding the flock. Why ultimately is there discipline and the need for discipline? Why ultimately is there to be good order in the church? Why are the elders to do what they do? In all of it, every single part of it should in one way or another point to feeding the flock. This assists in that, or it enables that, or if we wouldn't do this, then it would prevent the feeding of the flock. And the feeding the flock, the whole Word of God and nothing but the Word of God. May we pray that that's the spirit and mind of our elders. And may you pray for that and seek that and want nothing else. Elders, who look at their work and labor in their offices simply through that lens. I have a single job to do. I am a shepherd. A shepherd, that's the word. And God has given me sheep. And I don't just take care of them for their own sake. I don't just do this or that. But all of it is so that they might feed and now not feed off of me, not feed from me, not feed from others. They have that concern too. That you not feed in pastures that won't feed you. All of it is so that they might feed on the Word of God. Nothing but the Word of God. That's what we need to know about our elders. That's what they need to know about themselves. Now there's a way this has to be carried out. It's fine that we say, well, this is what needs to be done and even have an understanding of what this has to be done. But as is so often the case, how we do our work is as important as the work that we do. And the apostle enters into that. It's not enough really that you have elders that understand you have to feed the flock, but they have to understand how this is to be done. Now the apostle puts it in forms of negatives and positives. With each negative comes a positive. We're going to look at the negatives first. Negatively, the apostle sees three dangers. There's three things that would get in the way. That if the elders would feed the flock with this in mind or do it according to this manner, then the flock would not be fed. And the first is that they do this not by constraint. That is, unwillingly. Do it merely because they feel a sort of certain obligation. Because they've been seized and told this is what you have to do. That shouldn't happen in the church. 
It can easily happen. It can easily happen in the church that men are cajoled, are constrained, are seized upon to take the office. Why? Well, as the Apostle points out, I was a witness of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ suffered in His office, and the point of elders can expect to suffer in their office too. If you're going to feed the flock, the Word of God, and nothing but the Word of God, there's going to be opposition. There's going to be all kinds of opposition, isn't it, as Jesus found out. You're going to find the predators. You're going to find a flock that sometimes will turn on you, who says this food isn't good enough, we want different food. All kinds of things that can happen to the elder who will insist that he feed or shepherd the flock only with the Word of God. But that's not the way it must be. Because you can be certain if a man would go into that labor simply because he's forced to, pretty soon he won't be doing it at all. With regard to motive and spirit, the apostle also has another danger, not for filthy lucre. He has in mind what the Scriptures elsewhere call the hireling, doing it as a hireling, doing it for money. And he doesn't mean simply here the notion of bribes, the notion of gift-taking. That can happen in churches where there is respect and honor for elders. Sometimes there can be gifts that are given. But one is not to do the work for the gift. But also the apostle has in mind by filthy lucre and nothing else. Nothing else for personal gain. Not just money. But don't do it for the honor and respect that comes with the office either. Don't do it for personal glory. Don't do it so that you can walk around in the church and say, I'm an elder. Even if it's under your breath. I've arrived. I'm somebody. That may be done. Yes, there is honor and respect that comes with the office. That's not why one ought to do the work or the labor. Lastly, not as being lords over God's heritage. Here is another warning that we elders need to hear. He's referring here to what we might call the abuse of the flock of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is, to be more clear, to use the power and authority of that office to harm the church. I'm well aware that many times when authority and power is exercised by the office, unlawfully and unjustly, elders can often be accused of abusing the flock. That goes with the territory. You can be certain that there will be individuals who, when they need to be told what they need to be told, and the Word of God is used, they will scream abuse. They will scream, you're misusing your authority. But then on the other hand, that also actually can be done. And quite easily done. Now I have described for you a way to prevent that, and that is that elders need to keep in mind always what their work is, to feed the flock. Many, many abuses of power and authority would 
be eliminated if that were simply understood. Ironically, there could be much abuse of the flock that imagines it's actually feeding the flock. But when you look deeper, is actually a misuse of the Word of God. We may call it spiritual malpractice. It would be like a doctor who, when he ought to use a scalpel and be working very, very, very carefully, instead pulls out an axe and goes to work on the human body. That's done too. Be that, be that as it may, the Apostle does give a great warning here when he says, don't be lords over God's heritage. There's the other corrective. Elders need to remember who they labor over. They're not yours. Even when it comes to talking about them being overseers, it's overseers over those among whom you live. The elders among you. Elders, remember that you're sheep among sheep. Remember that this is not your church. Even though you're called elders, even though you are overseers, there's another over you, and it's his flock. It's his heritage. He's the one who chose them. He's the one who called them. And again, the flock needs to remember that too. If one simply looks at the flock according to the number who are rent, because sheep are rent. There's no shepherd except the great shepherd who has ever been successful in protecting all of his sheep such that never a one is preyed upon. Nor is there ever a shepherd who's failed in his duty, or is there ever a flock where sheep don't bolt and run, where there are sheep who remain lost and are never found. And if one simply looks at the flock from that perspective, one easily can imagine that this is not the flock of God at all. But it is. It's God's heritage. And from time to time, we need to go to Scripture and remember what the flock of God's heritage actually looks like. Peter would have reminded you of that. One could easily look at Peter and say, Peter, of all the people that ought to be a shepherd in the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, you're not it. And Peter probably would have agreed with you. Yeah, you're right. I forfeited that right when I denied my own Lord Jesus Christ or a David or another. We could go on and on. And so both the flock and the shepherds of the flock get a reminder. You are the Lord's heritage. And that has meaning and that has implications for us as sheep. Remember that. Those about whom you speak are God's heritage. Be careful how you talk about the other sheep. Have you forgotten about your own sheepy ways? And elders, don't be lords over them. You have a lord over you to whom you must answer. Now, positively, there's a corresponding positive that even helps understand the negative. Over against 
The attitude of doing it unwillingly or for filthy lucre is doing it willingly. And not by constraint, but by being chosen to office. Doing it, therefore, for the Lord's sake. That is what the Apostle is getting at when he gives that. Don't do it by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. You ask yourself, what is he talking about? He's talking about your attitude. And if you could summarize the attitude, you do it out of love. You do it out of love for your Lord Jesus Christ. You do it out of love for the flock. That's the only reason you do it. When you look at the office, you don't say, I want to do it or don't want to do it because of this or that external factor, because people don't appreciate the office, because people sometimes kick at the elder, or you don't do it because, well, these people think a lot of elders, and I like people to think good of me, but a ready mind and a willing heart is a ready mind and a willing heart for Jesus' sake, says Jesus has called. Jesus has called me through a lawful election, and I trust in Jesus to provide, to give. It's a man who recognizes I of myself have nothing. I'm so weak. I'm so sinful. But God has called me, and God has equipped me. And this is God's heritage, and I love that heritage. That, that is the attitude. That's the only attitude that will feed the flock the Word of God. You see? How in the world can an elder feed the flock the Word of God if he does not love that Word of God himself? Which, if you ask yourself, how can a man have a willing and ready mind? Notice that word ready. Ready means a prepared mind, one that's ready to go when called upon. And you ask, how is that? And the answer is, you cultivate that. It's a man, in other words, who has spent a lot of time in the Word of God because he loves that Word. He, He's recognized how important that word is for his own life. How could a man who's impoverished with regard to the word of God, who literally has spiritual bones sticking out of his ribcage because he doesn't feed himself the word of God, ever serve in the church of our Lord Jesus Christ as an elder feeding the word of God? Must have men who read the word of God, know the word of God, as the form says, meditate upon those mysteries. That's in their thoughts as they go about their work and their labor. And then they're ready. Then they're prepared. Lastly, over against lording over God's heritage is being an example. Doesn't that follow the whole idea of shepherding and sheep? It's kind of amazing always to me, to you too perhaps, we don't know sheep really all that well. There's not many raised around here. But we know other animals. We know other domesticated animals, even herding animals. And it's amazing how many of those you really have to drive or you have to entice. You have to entice or you have to drive them. You have to poke them and prod them. Not sheep. It doesn't work. It doesn't really work at all. They are led they are shepherded. Anybody that's ever worked with them understands that. If you try to drive them, it doesn't work at all. You can herd them. You can use even creatures to do that to a certain extent. You, you can use the fact that they're sort of a herding animal to your advantage, but they're easily scattered. 
start yelling them and screaming at them and swatting things and poking and hitting, they're gone. How are they led? Well, the apostle says, just be an example. Be an example. If you have the Word of God being brought about how to live, then you make sure you're living that way. If you want the flock to be people of the Word and to feed off the Word, make sure you're feeding off the Word of God. If you want people to come to the worship service, then you be there. I remember a minister one time who was complaining about the fact that he could not get the church to come in the evening. Church couldn't come in the evening, and they were considering shutting down the evening service. So I simply asked him about his own elders. Are your elders there? And his response was, no, I, I can't get my elders there in the evening. And then my advice to him was, he best leave if you can't, or give up that endeavor. If you can't get the elders there, as an example, you'll never get the flock there. If you want the flock to be at the worship services regularly, they have to be there. There's a reason why that's asked by the church visitors every year of all the offices, but especially the elder. The apostle understands the difficulty of the work. The apostle understands the dangers, how easily a man can take up this labor for filthy lucre or not willingly. He understands how easy it is to be a lord over the heritage, that if you're going to live as an example, if you're going to do this rightly with a ready mind and willing heart, if you're going to simply feed the flock, and that is your sole work in the church, and you're looking for some sort of energy, some sort of power, something that keeps you moving along, and you're looking for it here and now, you're not going to find it. Now you might say, yeah, but we're a church that appreciates the offices. That, that's, that's true. I myself have experienced that I'm so thankful for all the thank yous and, and all the little cards and letters. I have, I have a whole file at home. It's called my happy file. When I'm depressed or when I'm anxious or wondering what to do, I pull my happy file out and I look at all these things. And, and elders, I'm sure, can remember the kind words and the thankfulness that comes with the office, but there's another thing that we understand too, and that is we're fickle. We sheep are fickle. And the person that compliments you today can turn and rend you tomorrow. You could serve your whole life in the church faithfully using just the Word of God and speaking only the Word of God. Misspeak or misuse that word once and people will tear you to shreds. So you have to understand if you're going to labor for those things and let those be your motivation and power, then you're going to fail, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to want to leave, you're going to want to quit, you're going to want to try something else to feed the flock. So the apostle brings an incentive, a motivation to elders, and the only one that he can bring, and that is the reward of glory when our Lord comes again. Notice in the first place, that's a future reality. You have to look ahead. You have to keep your eyes focused ahead. And notice the second thing what he focuses you on is our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He says to elders, if you're going to work faithfully, if you're going to do your labor faithfully, if you're going to continue on, your eyes, the eyes of faith in other words, have to be focused on Christ and his return. Work and work for that. Have that as your end and your goal. Have that in sight at all times. Be praying, come Lord Jesus, yea, come quickly. And then notice in the second place that the glory is not a personal glory. It's the glory of our Lord. An elder gets to share in that. He gets to share in that, not because he was such a great person of himself, but he himself has been feeding on his Lord Jesus Christ. He's one with him. He's part with him. And thus when Jesus comes, he along with the entire church gets to share in that. There may be a lot of aspects to that. We don't know what that will look like and what form it will take in the heavens and the earth that Jesus will make. But it's enough for us, it's enough for the elders to know we simply share in that. And again, Peter knew something of that. Peter was a witness to the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he, along with Jesus, got the glimpse of that. And don't discount that. There's some who poo-poo this. You can't have any future incentive for your work now. There's no such thing as a reward because that would mean God did something after we did something and that would make it conditional. That's not true. Nothing true about that whatsoever. Even Jesus himself, the perfect one, was given a glimpse of his future glory to encourage him to be faithful unto the end. That was the moment of transfiguration and Peter was there. Acted foolishly, but he saw it. He knew what it looked like. Let the elders remember that. You remember that too, but especially you elders. Don't worry about what people think and what's going on in the current trend. Keep your eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and the wonderful, amazing glory that God gives him. And you, as a reward, will share in that. You'll bask in that. You'll be clothed with it. You'll be enlightened by it. What an amazing, amazing thing over against this world of sheep and shepherds, of sin and darkness, of predators, and so many other things in the valley of the shadow of death. And let us as a church be thankful for elders and the Word of God and the chief shepherd of it all. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven, O Lord, we thank Thee for Thy Word, all of Thy Word, the whole of Thy Word. We love our Lord Jesus Christ. We love Him in all of His aspects, in all of His work, of all of His labors, and the means He uses, and wonderful, wonderful truth that is given to us here through the Apostle Peter. We thank Thee, O Lord, for the elders that we have and the other offices, and we pray that Thou wilt equip them and bless them with the Word, so that they in turn might feed us the Word. And we thank Thee that we are fed and we are given that Word, which is our life, which is our strength, which is even the everlasting life. And we thank Thee, O Lord, for being so gracious and kind unto us undeserving sinners, us sheep of this flock. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.